Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mild Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I am a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but I'm looking forward to getting to know. He is the Director of Evangelization at a parish in Texas and is one of the co-hosts of the Catholic And podcast, which is a part of the Catholic Podcast Collective, which I'm a part of, and hopefully he'll tell us a little bit more about it. It's Matthew Cruz. Hi, Matt. Hey, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So I have lots of questions for you since we are just kind of getting to know each other. Um, Why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, I'm a I'm a director of evangelization at a parish, which um, really is um, if if you're familiar with parishes, then that kind of tells you that that's just kind of the catch all um, right. in parish <laughs> ministry. So I get to do a little bit of everything, which is great because you know some days I get to um, have interviews with people. Uh, wanting to enter into the church through RCIA, which I get some beautiful stories. The other days I get to wear a T-Rex costume and kind of hang out <laughs> with the preschool kids at our church. And, wow. um, you know, it's all a good day's use of evangelization and just having fun. And that's kind of, that's kind of me. Um, and I, yeah, I'm down here in Texas and uh, I love it so much. You said you're you're from Texas originally, right? You're born and raised. Born and raised, and uh, I was born down in the valley. Did uh, was I grew up and then did um, my undergrad up in the DFW area. Now I'm down um, in Houston, so I'm just kind of making my way around this great state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do love Texas. I was I didn't share this in my little introduction, but I um, did net ministries after college. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my team was assigned to the Dallas Houston area. So that was kind of my first experience with Texas, but I've since been to San Antonio and Austin, mm-hmm. Odessa. So I've also made my way around Texas and it's, I mean, it gets a bad rap sometimes, but I always have a good time when I'm down there. <laughs> you just got to hit the right spots. That's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. And then I want you to tell us a little bit more about your podcast, Catholic and podcast. What kind of podcast is it? Um, what do you guys mm-hmm. talk about? Absolutely. So uh, I'm one of the co-hosts. My other co-host uh, is JB, and um, I am like to say I'm his better half. Um, <laughs> and we just have a ton of fun. What we do is we um, find some great um, witnesses of the faith, have them on the show, get to hear their story, get to hear um, kind of the life that they've lived and their uh, stories of discernment, stories of their vocations and their careers and how they're trying to live a Catholic life. In short, what our goal is, we're trying to kickstart the biographies of future saints and kind of show, um, especially young people, that the road to sainthood is being built right now. So it's about the things that you can be doing right now. And, you know, we always hear, um, especially in, you know, catechetical circles and Mm -hmm. and classes, Bible studies of all these saints that, of course, as saints, they have since passed on and are in heaven. But to think about it in a sense where, um, you know, there are some saints walking around right now that, you know, in years to come, they'll be beatified or even even if they're not um, publicly recognized, you know, the millions and millions of people that we don't even know the names of that are um, in heaven that are saints, um, you know, we we walk past them every day. So we just want to try to grab a couple of those stories. 
That's so cool. That's very important. I think um, we're in a time right now where listening and hearing and sharing people's stories, I think, are really important for us to deepen our understanding of our faith and just, um, you know, trying to unite like a divided country and divided world. I think listening to stories and and mm-hmm. getting hope hope that way. You know, I think that's so important that you're sharing people's stories and giving encouragement. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about scripture. And so um, we kind of went back and forth about what passage to do, but I'm very excited because we're finally going to talk about the namesake for this podcast. So um, we're going to talk about the road to Emmaus today, which I'm excited about. So um, whenever you are ready, I'm going to have you read a little bit from Luke 24 verses 13 till whenever you feel inspired to stop because it's a very long passage. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Now that very day, two of them were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Good. I think that gives us a really good setup and we can talk about what happens from there. Um, Mm. So a little bit of background about this passage. When I was thinking about what to call this podcast, because I wanted to be a scripture podcast and the title to be scriptural, like a nod to scripture, but not so much so that people who aren't Catholic or aren't Christian wouldn't be able to find it and, you know, be curious about it. Um, So I just have always, we're going to talk about like the story and as youth ministers, you know, kind of all the the meanings there. But um, this comes right after the crucifixion and resurrection narratives. And so um, in many of the post-resurrection narrative, the apostles that Jesus reveals himself to don't recognize him at first. And so that's the case here with these disciples. One is named in the passage as Cleopas and the other remains nameless, but they are walking seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And reading the footnotes, it's not really clear where Emmaus literally is. It's debated. Um, Some say that seven miles meant 60 stades, so that was 607 feet. And then some manuscripts read 160 stades, which would have been 18 miles. So anyways, the exact location of Emmaus is disputed, and that's not the point. (laughs) But um, (laughs) the purpose of this passage is to show the risen Jesus. And again, often in these post-resurrection stories, they don't recognize him until they share a meal with him. So later in this passage, they break bread together, and that's when they recognize Jesus finally. So that's a little bit of background and a little bit of context. Um, but Matt, when I kind of approached like, okay, what verse do you want to talk about? Why did you decide to do this passage? Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it came it came to to both me and JB when we were thinking about it of just, you know, it's it's always touted as kind of like the the classic passage about how to evangelize, right? How to be like Jesus. What should I do? You know, I don't see myself walking on water or multiplying loaves and fishes, but um, taking a walk and having a conversation is a lot more manageable. And, um, you know, one of the things that I love about this, and, you know, again, this is a story, I guess, to, to really preface it. Um, in my work at, at the parish, what I love doing is, um, you know, if you ever walk into a Hobby Lobby or a Michaels or, or a Mardell's, um, just a, a typical Christian craft store with a bunch of stuff, you might see, you know, John 316 kind of branded mm-hmm. on wood or, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I can do all things through Christ and, you know, some very in very nice cursive that you'll kind of put in, in your home or whatever like that. So I remember one time I was talking um with the catechist at my church and i was saying you know a lot of these things that i I like to call them like the hobby lobby quotes right because Mm -hmm. they're so beautiful but we kind of forget how really 
powerful they actually are. Mm -hmm. And um, with as much in, you know, resources, books, and so many things, like the Road to May story, I think is one of the most famous stories. And, um, but it's also one of those most powerful, impactful ones that like, I would hate for anybody to ever think that like, um, it's ever watered down or like, oh, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, another one of those, you know, Hobby Lobby quotes, but like, no, it is, mm -hmm. it is actually so rich. And I guess, you know, one of the things that, that I really loved about it, and I was actually talking about this with one of my staff, other staff members, and just kind of thinking about different perspectives of it, was that, you know, catechesis, it's meaning to echo the faith is, you know, the proclamation, the preaching, the teaching. But evangelization really is just being a good listener. And I love, again, because he's the son of God, perfect in Jesus. Um, I love that he, as the perfect evangelist, allows the disciples that are walking to completely, to, to, to be vulnerable and tell, tell him all of their perspective, that he's, he's intentionally listening to them. And I love that it's prefaced with, it's seven miles, that you're walking on this road for a long time. And it's really funny. In a couple of weeks, I'm I'm kind of training myself because I'm not a big gym person. I'm not a big exercise <laughs> guy. I'm training myself because I'm going to go on this backpacking trip with a couple other parishioners. Um, and so I'm kind of walking every single day, trying to build up my strength. I'm doing you know a mile, two miles, three miles, and it's mm -hmm. just it's just long. And so you know, even seven miles to have this this journey, like it's it's a it's a long stint, right? Um, mm -hmm. You're dedicated for Jesus to to walk that length of time while not just like, Hey, I'm going to tell you how it is. He kind of gets into that later on. You know, there, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a time and place for the catechesis, but I mm -hmm. love that he intentionally has that time and place for listening to them. Yeah, that's very well said. I think you, you had touched on a lot there. Um, I've studied um, catechesis and have been a catechist for much much of my life. And um, there's this document that re is also directly referenced from this passage, our heart were, hearts were burning within us, which is part of the latter of this, this story, where they finally recognize him when they break bread with him. And they say kind of like, oh, didn't we know that our hearts were burning within us this whole time that it was him? Um, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, but yeah, so you mentioned that this is like the perfect go uh, gospel for like evangelization, because it is this walking and talking and taking time and i like that you pointed out too i've never really thought about it like it is kind of weird how he asks them like what are you talking about and they're discussing <laughs> as they're walking like all these mm -hmm. horrific things they just witnessed in jerusalem like his death and resurrection and i've always kind of wondered like you know why does he ask them that but i think what you just mentioned is that you know he wants to hear their perspective of the events so i don't know if you want to speak more to that i thought that was really cool i think that's a really good point um, of why he asks them that question like what are you talking about yeah, I think um, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's about that perspective because you know, obviously, not only does he know he he lived it right. <laughs> and he right. knew all of it, right. and so it, it it does catch us off guard of like Jesus. I mean, come you you know you don't need to ask, but mm -hmm. I I think he does. I I think to be um, somebody that is evangelizing, I think you know he's showing us that we need to ask. Um, I was actually talking with a friend about this whole idea, especially now, just in the time and place of the church, a lot of people are asking the parishes, you know, how are we going to get people back to mass? What do we got to do? Yeah. And um, even before all, you know, even before COVID, even before all of this, there's always been listening sessions at the church or listening sessions at the diocese. What, what can we do for young adults? What can we do for, 
and there there's been a lot of a lot of list I, I i and i don't know how to phrase it there's been a lot of hearing but a, not a lot of listening or there's mm-hmm. not there's been a lot of listening and not a lot of hearing and i don't know which one to mm-hmm. which one i mean but that there's a intentional and powerful component to truly understanding a person's perspective to know then how to minister to them i think mm-hmm. a lot of the time and i and i'm absolutely um um, complicit in this and um, mm. I, I absolutely want to work as much as I can to not do this but um, more often than not when I think of the ministry programs and processes that I want to do in the parish I am I have them already in my mind in my in my back pocket when I'm trying to listen to somebody's needs and desires I'm already mm-hmm. saying oh I've already got what I need for you I've already got what what you need right instead of just coming in like a blank slate. What is it? And whatever, you know, whoever the audience is, what is it that you need and desire? What is your perspective about the Catholic church? What, what do you think? And then addressing it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's so funny. Um, I love it because Jesus comes out um, right as he, he lets them just go as much as they want, as much as they can divulge about their perspective. And he comes out so strong, how foolish you are. And I just, I, you know, I, I, I love that. And um, it's, it sounds harsh just because it's, it's written, it, it's just written down. But I, I love to think about, you know, in so many other instances with throughout the gospels, there is just a, a joy of Jesus. And um I like to think that it's, you know, he's, he's not trying to put them down or insult them, but it's just a, you know, I, I'll tell you how, how it really was, you know, and, and I think that he can only do that because he truly wanted to listen to their perspective. So whenever somebody says, um, you know, we gotta, let's listen to what people in the church want or what people in the church need, you, you have to desire to listen, not just desire Mm. to help. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I, that's what I love about Christ and what I try to model. And again, I'm not perfect at all. Like, you know, at it, I'm still learning. Um, but he always meets people where they're at. And in order mm-hmm. to meet somebody where someone's at, you have to listen to them and hear their story. And I'm, I'm like you mentioned earlier, I'm always even one of the reasons I love this podcast, too, is I don't really know the direction that it's going to take. I don't know what my guest is going to say about the passage, you know, and so I can't really have a plan. And I'm such a planner in my real life. I'm a teacher, right? Like I, in my in my teaching, in my ministry, I constantly have to call myself and be like, OK, this is the plan. But sometimes students take it in a different direction and they're like, OK, we don't know much about that. I'm like, all right, I wasn't planning on talking about the Eucharist today, but here we go, you know, because they mm-hmm. I have to kind of meet them where they're at. And if they're not where I am in order for me to get them there. So I think that's, you're right. I think that's what Jesus is doing here is he wants to hear their perspective, which is so important. You mentioned a lot of like listening sessions that are happening. And I think definitely after a lot of the scandals that we've had in the church, I know that the parish that I work at, um, they were having a lot of those same kind of sessions just so that people could feel heard, you know, Mm -hmm. about their experiences, whether positive or negative in the church. And that is really important because if we're going to move forward, we have to hear and be pastoral, you know, Mm -hmm. anyways, that's like a whole nother topic for another time. But (laughs) I like what you said. I think that listening is important, but then he does, he follows up with what you were saying. Um, after he, they kind of explained their perspective, he does say how foolish you are. And he kind of explains like about the old Testament to kind of connect what happened to him, to the old Testament. He mentions like Moses and the prophets and like how, you know, 
they had he had to the messiah had to suffer so he kind of like connects it he's like making connections i think for them more so than like reprimanding them i don't mm-hmm. know if you want to jump in there or add to that. oh yeah absolutely and and what i think is awesome is that you know the connections that he's making even you you know they're not just straight um catechetical doctrines right they're mm-hmm. they're still the stories that they know of the story of moses the stories of the prophets the and um you know at as you were talking um, earlier in in the show about this whole idea about stories, um, you know, one of my favorite things that I love to tell um, the people that I get to minister and walk alongside in RCIA is that the reason we we hear the readings from the Bible and not the re, you know not just passages from the Catechism at Mass is because mm-hmm. there's something inherently pure and good and transformative about stories. If we were just a a faith and a church about just pure rules and doctrine, we mm-hmm. absolutely we you know there'd be no need to read from the Bible. We would just read from the Catechism. Mm-hmm. But there's something captivating about stories that it you know, and then you know that there's a whole other there's a whole other thing about Jesus and the parables, right? So that that idea about stories that that Jesus has always been doing and he continues to do even post resurrection. Uh, divulging the stories of the Old Testament to be able to help uh, these disciples make those connections. Um, and then what's even better is, you know, after they recognize him and they run back to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. now they have a story to tell mm-hmm. the other disciples. And they're mm-hmm. going to say, they're, you know, they won't say, here are the things that Jesus taught us and now we understand. It's, you won't believe who we met on the road. And they're going to tell that story. And I think that that it it just encapsulates uh, so many ways in which I think that when we think about how can we evangelize, it's about our personal stories, not just to be told, but that we have to we have to live in a way that we have Mm -hmm. stories to tell. And I think Mm -hmm. that's even more important. Oh, I love everything that you just said. I think it is as Catholics, we get so caught up on our our teachings, but the teachings all come from scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And our other Christian brothers and sisters, you know, they just they they seem to know the Bible so much better in some ways because they're so rooted in it. And we are too. We just don't even really realize it. And I I like how you brought up Jesus taught by using stories, and that's why we spend as you mentioned mass like talking about and reading scripture and the whole mass is from scripture you know it's so it's uh, there's so much there and then I, I like how you said too that they go back and they have a story and we all have our stories so we use it on you know use podcasts to tell our stories and we <laughs> we just need to be better at listening too I think we all want to maybe tell our stories and and we need to have those encounters and listen so um, that's what's happening here is that encounter and you had mentioned I think earlier that intentionality like being intentional about listening that's so important too right like not having our own comeback or whatever response in the back of our heads that's so hard you know we have to intentionally <laughs> listen and be present and that's hard for us today um so part of this podcast is to also relate scripture to our present day so what do you think that this passage maybe has i think we've mentioned some things already but what can we learn from this and to apply to our own lives today you know i i would say that um it, it really holds um, the, the classic Catholic both and, right? It mm-hmm. holds the, the amount of time that Jesus spends listening and then paired with the amount of time that Jesus spends proclaiming and then the time being that witness that he, you know, at the, at the very tail end of the passage, you know, they urge him to, 
They, but they urged him, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. And, you know, at, in that moment, he's not sitting down teaching them, okay, this is what the Eucharist is. This is what this means. He's just doing it. And he's allowing them to witness um, and experience what's happening. So then he kind of brings it back to to this whole idea of just fulfillment of you listen to the person and their needs and their desires. You provide your perspective, the, the teachings of the faith, and then you continue to be that witness. And I think that those, those three things are kind of what um, I would say people in the church are looking for right now mm-hmm. that, you know, we keep asking, how are we going to get people back to church? Well, first let's listen to the people that we have, right? What is going on with them in their in their lives right now? How are they grieving? How are they mourning? How are they celebrating? How are they happy to come back? How are they happy to have things open again? Do they still have the same, you know, all the grievances that people had before COVID about the church? They're still there. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned some of the scandals and everything like that. Like those don't just get washed away. But then at the same side, you know, I was even thinking about this. There's a skill to um, active listening and to to truly train yourself to just purely listen and not try to just come up with a rebuttal. But I would also say that there's also a skill in telling your story and your testimony. I've, I, you know, like you said, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they are, they are so good with scripture mm-hmm. that they have memorized so much and, but they've also, you know, they train themselves to be able to give an elevator pitch that is powerful, Mm -hmm. like a powerful testimony. And that's something I also think that, that evangelization needs, you know, give a powerful um, testimony that it, that instills a curiosity. Like, you know, if I'm in an elevator with somebody and somebody asks me, why am I Catholic? I'm not going to tell Mm -hmm. them the deepest, darkest moment when I felt farthest away from God and how I was brought back. You know, that's not going to take two minutes. And I don't think I could ever do that well in two to three minutes. Right. Um, but I could share something, right. Share something. And I think to, to train and build up the skill of how to tell a testimony is very important. I, you know, I I can only assume we've both been on our fair share amount of retreats, uh, youth ministry (laughs) and everything. And every now and then, you know, you have this awesome catechist, great witness to the faith. And, you know, they come out with a very long testimony and you're looking at the clock. You're trying to think of all the other things that have to to happen in the (laughs) retreat. You got to move the kids this way. There's got to be this thing that's happening. (laughs) But you don't want to cut short this person's testimony. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that there is, you know, there's something to be said about succinctly talking about the faith um, in a way that could be powerful, because more often than not, we're kind of looking for these. Um, buzzwords or for, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, what, what are the, what's the one or two sentences that I could get you to, to convert to Catholicism? Well, I, you know, I would say that podcasts like this and other conversations are kind of showing that there's not just a one liner for us. We, we got to do more than that. And then that third step that Jesus shows of, then you just have to be the witness. You just have to show the joy that you found in your faith. And one of the, one of my favorite things that um, one of my coworkers he's the he's the director of adult faith at my parish, and he loves to say that you know you think about it where um, 
the purest form of evangelization is you living a joyful life, you with your family or whatever, and somebody coming up to you saying, why are you so joyful? What is mm-hmm. giving you this happiness in life? And then you share about the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, that really shows, um, I think, the the Eucharistic image that Christ brings up in, at the tail end of this passage. Um, and I think that's why the disciples are running back to Jerusalem. And I love that it's a walk. It's a walk toward Emmaus, and they run back to Jerusalem mm-hmm. with a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much, there is so much here, you know, and um, I am reminded uh, when I was on net, we had to do a two to three minute testimony and I don't think mine was very good ever. And it would definitely be different now that I've, you know, lived much more of my life. Um, but I think that is a really good exercise to think about if people were to ask me. And I always tell my students, we talk about how, like what you mentioned, just live a, live your life. I think it's Mother Teresa or there's some kind of quote out there that's like, feed them, clothe them. And then if they ask, tell them about Jesus. It's like, Mm -hmm. you should be living your life in a certain way that leaves people wondering or questioning. And then you can tell them about um, why I am, why I'm doing this, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that is a good reminder and exercise for us to think about it. And I think this passage too, just about relationships, even if someone's not Christian, not Catholic, the message of taking time to listen to someone's perspective, as you started by saying, and then maybe giving a little education and and teaching and instruction or advice, you know, and then having a meal, like everybody can relate to that, you know, Mm -hmm. like to listening to a friend, advising a friend, and then, you know, having a more intimate kind of delve in delving in by sharing a meal. And so my last kind of question is just um, a lot of these post-resurrection narratives. I did a episode recently about, the John passage where Jesus appears and they have breakfast with mm-hmm. the fish and then the encounter with Peter. Um, why do you think it is that Jesus is recognized in the breaking of bread and in these meals after he is resurrected? I think there's, there's a level of, of vulnerability when, when you have a meal with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, <laughs> for I, me, it's sharing my cooking. My cooking is terrible. So if you want to eat a meal with me and I've cooked it, <laughs> I have, I have fully, fully made myself vulnerable in that moment, but go on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, it's so funny. I love that you brought up uh, that passage, John, because that's uh, I remember one time JB told me that was his favorite. That was his favorite Bible verse. Mm. Come have mm-hmm. breakfast. And he just, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's so awesome. And and yeah, I, I really do think that there's a vulnerability that, you know, when you have a meal with somebody and, you know, the disciples recognizing him when they you know, when you've had a meal with this person over the course of, you know, uh, his three year ministry, right? You really get to know a person, not just because of their little mannerisms of how they eat and everything, but also just even think of like in a work setting uh, with your colleagues, mm-hmm. you know, you spend the whole day working with them, do, you know, getting done what you need to, to do. You got that eight to four or nine to five, whatever it is. But then, you know, maybe on a Friday, you know, a group of you, you say, oh, hey, you know, let's go, let's go have a, have a meal. Let's go have a drink or whatever. And kind of the, the, the barriers come down, the walls yeah. come down. And, um, I, I think that that vulnerability is really what can happen during a meal. And it's so funny because it's so simple. It, it's just food. We all have to eat, mm-hmm. you know, it's just nourishment. But I think there's there's a communal component that, um, yeah, your your walls are down. And, and it might have, you know, I, I just thought of, I don't, I don't know why, this this might be completely wrong. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, 
I haven't studied anything about animals. I o- I've only studied theology. So if I'm completely wrong about this, then uh, it, I'll, I'll be okay. I'm with also it. not a science or a biology person, so we might be screwed uh, here. But. <laughs> uh, but I was just thinking of, of of animals and how how protective, you know, especially wild animals, how protective and and careful they are with food. Right? You see. Um, a flock of birds whenever something comes down more often than not they're going to take the food go away and then eat the food right Mm. or um you know they're they're Mm. going to make sure that they get the nourishment they need despite nothing else if if they're you know probably like an adult animal but other than that you know what what will they also do they'll also do everything they can to feed their young and one of my favorite images of a sacred image of a pelican. Pelican, yeah. yeah, and the baby pelicans eating the flesh of the of the mother pelican, right? And it's it's so powerful because it's it's truly that self sacrificial love, which again brings it all the way back to that Eucharistic image. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you know we think of mass that that we're we're truly going to a a meal, right? Um, a spiritually fulfilling meal when you partake in the Eucharist. Um, yeah, it's, it, there, there's something about food that, that everybody can get behind. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love that analogy that you, that you mentioned with the animals again. I think that's correct. I think, you know, you're speaking a lot of animals they do, they want to protect and it's, you know, I don't mean, again, I don't want to get too into it, but I think you're right. There's something different about humans that we, it's more communal. It's not just about protecting what is ours. It's, it's, we think of it, especially as Christians, we want, we should be sharing, you know, mm-hmm. it's to come together as a meal and that's and it does then relate to the mass and the eucharist and this this gospel is so reminiscent of what happens at the last supper that that's where they finally like get it right they're like oh this was Mm -hmm. jesus the whole time because now we remember those words and we remember that action so i don't know if there's anything else you want to say as we come and kind of wrap up but um any last thoughts about this passage uh that you'd like to share uh it you know for anybody listening it it truly is just um it's just a, it's just a packed passage. I, that's mm-hmm. all I can really say. There's so much in it, and I guess to anybody listening, I would say go and reread it, and just know that this is a uh, a passage that you know you're gonna look at it from one perspective at this point in your time in life of wherever that is, and then you know a couple months, years down the road, I hope that you can return to this passage and just kind of see um, how have you grown. Um, what has happened in your life, and kind of reread this passage through just continued different perspectives. And um, it's a beautiful passage to do Lexio Divino, Divino with. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's really great. And so, yes, um, you picked a phenomenal one <laughs> as the namesake of your podcast, truly. I just thought it was kind of like, you know, a little, it's funny because some people are like, they totally get it. That, you know, when they're, some people ask, what does that mean? Um, the ones who've studied scripture, like they're like, that's the road of Maus, right? You know, but I, again, I like that it's that, that ambiguous, like maybe you get it, maybe you don't. And if mm-hmm. not, it makes us have a conversation, right? It makes yeah. us have to kind of talk about it. But um, we had joked before we started recording that as youth ministers, you mentioned Lexio Divina, like how many times we've like <laughs> done meditations with this or like read this or heard this. And um, it's good to break it open and have a conversation with, with uh, you about it, because I think there's many passages that I get a little bit jaded. I'm like, oh, I've heard this one again, you know, mm-hmm. but, yeah, and especially because yeah. it's so long when you hear it at mass, you're like, OK, here we go. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there is so, so much here. So thank you for taking the time to help me kind of break it down. And I'm sure it won't be the last time that I 
you know, visit it. So thank you. <laughs> At the end of the podcast, I always like to give chan- uh, people a chance to plug any websites, where to follow you. So what would you like to share with us or would like to, for us to check out? Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to um, get to know me and JB a little bit more, please follow us on Instagram um, at Catholic and podcast. Um, and you can always slide into our DMS, shoot us a message whenever <laughs> you want. Um, and yeah, we would absolutely love to get in touch with you. And that's really it. Yeah. It's, it's been an incredible conversation, Julia. I absolutely loved this to be able to return to the road to Emmaus and kind of give it a, a fresh look you know, mm-hmm. um, like you said, it, it's a tried and true one in ministry, but it's um, absolutely one to never kind of put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I'm glad to have finally have someone to chat with. And I think it's it's funny when people pick passages. Again, I never really know where it's going to go, but I always feel like it was the perfect passage for that moment or for that person. So you mm-hmm. as a minister and an evangelizer and director of evangelization, I think this made perfect sense. So I appreciate you all you taking the time. And mm-hmm. um, if people want to follow me, you can follow me at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out on Instagram. You can also slide into the DMs. And uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, I'd love to talk scripture with you. I'm also on Twitter. Um, it's my more education account, my teacher account at Miss Struckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One, and you can talk to me about Catholic education or scripture or anything there too. Um, but thanks again, Matt, for being here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julia. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.